for anyone who's ever wondered what toys do when people aren't around. Hey, everybody. It's showtime. Walt Disney Pictures invites you into a world where toys come to life. Wow, cool. Let's go tomorrow, guys. Red alert. Andy is coming upstairs. Andy's coming, everybody. Back to your places. Hurry. Did you see my ear? Out of my way. Woody, the veteran. Draw! Oh, got me again! Buzz, the rookie. Have you been replaced? No one's getting replaced. Excuse me. Buzz Lightyear to the rescue! Oh, okay. Who else? You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> Ow! What do you say I get someone else to watch the sheep tonight? <laughs> Hell yeah! Don't even think about it, cowboy. Two heroes ready for anything. I don't like confrontations! Except each other. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, a laser. It's not a laser. It's a, it's a little light bulb that blinks. What's with him? Laser and big guys. Come on. <laughs> but that's about to change. <gasps> They've stepped over the edge. Buzz! And into the real world. I think he bounced into Sid's yard. <laughs> he tortures toys. Where is your honor, dirtbag? A good soldier never leaves a man behind. Where the name of the game is survival. <laughs> I'm lost. That is all your fault. My fault. <laughs> I've set my laser to kill. You're a toy. Use your karate chop action. Hey, hey. Stop that. What's going on down there? Come in, Star Command. Send reinforcements. You are a toy. You are a sad, strange little man. Who's that would be cowboy dog? All right, man. Move, 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 move. There's no place like home. Come on, this way. Negative. Ah. We'll be much safer in the cockpit. What an idiot. Great idea, Woody. Go infinity and beyond. Walt Disney Pictures presents the first ever computer animated motion picture. We've got trouble. This holiday season, take off on an adventure. This cannot be happening to me. Beyond imagination. Sheriff, this is no time to panic. This is the perfect time to panic. It's the story of two partners <laughs> discovering what they're made of. I'm okay. Catch this. I got it, Woody. Next stop, Andy. Go to infinity and beyond. <laughs> Toy Story. Look out. Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? <laughs> That's very funny, but this is serious. Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. There are always wonderful new pictures to see, delightful snacks to nibble, a gay, pleasant evening for all. We hope you have a wonderful time. Five, four, three... Two, one, showtime! Woody, a good-hearted cowboy doll who belongs to a young boy named Andy, sees his position as Andy's favorite toy, jeopardized when his mom buys him a new Buzz Lightyear action figure. Even worse, Buzz thinks he's a real spaceman on a mission to return to his home planet. When Andy's family moves to a new house, Woody and Buzz must escape the clutches of a maladjusted neighbor, Sid Phillips, and reunite with their true owner. Welcome to our fourth installment of TRN Drive-In 95 here on Patreon. We're uh, so glad you're here. And uh, coming up on this podcast 
is our first and I think our only animated movie we'll be covering in our series. Right, Mick? I think that's correct. So uh, we are definitely talking the original Toy Story. What, uh, I guess, what made you choose this one for the series, Mick? Well, a couple of things, kind of like we talked about Waterworld and the numbers it done and stuff. This done good numbers, but mainly the influence that it had on all the animated movies that come after it. Toy Story was a new breed of animated movie when it hit the market. Not only did it do, right. you know, killer business, but it just changed the way you looked at animated movies. And from my perspective, at least then when this came out, it was the first animated movie that wasn't necessarily geared directly to kids or not just for kids, you know, right. It was okay to go watch it as a teenager or as an adult, even, you know, without being shunned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I understand. I mean, it was, uh, essentially an appointment movie almost because of the, the hype leading up to it. It was the first computer generated movie, you know, no, hand drawing, no uh, traditional animation. I mean, it was something totally new. So everybody wanted to see what, uh, what it looked like and, and just how this, uh, this movie would impact what, you know, traditional animation was. And I think that was also what made it okay for us who were uh, like me. I was a freshman in college when I saw it to, uh, to go ahead and go and see it and not feel like you're, you know, (laughs) being a pedophile. (laughs) 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 but uh yeah i mean it did have a huge uh just overall buzz around it and impact just for that fact and gosh the legacy now of disney and pixar mainly and how that first movie really was just such a springboard for it you know yeah well if it had failed they went back to the drawing board (laughs) it didn't fail So we've got uh, all these other movies since then. And my gosh, we live in an age now where big animated movies Mm -hmm. do as much business as as traditional movies do. If not more. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of cases, (laughs) if not more. Yeah. And you don't have the, I mean, the budget is still way high for animated movies and Pixar movies in general, but it's not. And they're getting the uh, Hollywood actors now. And this might have some impact on using the the real A-listers, I guess, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least Tom Hanks was, I guess, more of an A-lister at that time. I think he had still uh, won uh, maybe an Oscar or two at this point. But it's, I think, impacted in the casting of animated movies from then on as well and getting those top name stars as part of your budget. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Tom Hanks was coming off the year before Forrest Gump. Okay. Yeah. He was certainly an A-lister during this. And, uh, what's his face? Tim Allen. I don't know how highly ranked home improvement was, but it was a top ranked show during most of its run. So he yeah. was an A-list television star, if not movie star. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess let's go ahead and get into some of the cast and crew highlights here since we're talking about the actors. And uh, we're going to kind of, this is kind of a buddy movie, so we're going to tag team this tonight, me and Mick, going back and forth uh, on some of the, uh, I, I basically looked up a lot of the credits and uh, the box office and things like that, and Mick will take over once we get to some of our awards and, and the uh, what-ifs and uh, facts 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, like we said, Tom Hanks as Woody. Uh, just for fun. You know how uh, IMDb, when you go to their page, they give you those four choices of what they're known for, right? Mm-hmm. Guess the four for Tom Hanks. Oh, let's see. Uh, Toy Story. Actually, uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Castaway. Castaway is one. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is one. Uh, the new Mr. Rogers movie? Nope. Okay, I didn't know if they, you know, added the new stuff in there or not. Uh, I don't know what the algorithm is for that, because some of them are strange, but I thought it would be fun for you to guess. Well, yeah. I'm not even going to guess the other two. I got Forrest Gump and, and the other one. So Castaway, yeah, Castaway, Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. And Big. Huh. Those are the I wouldn't four. have put Big in there. I could see Saving Private Ryan, even though I'm a huge fan of Big. I guess that was really kind of his breakout performance as far as this guy can has got the chops. Yeah, I think he was nominated. He might have won the Golden Globe that year for Best Actor in a Comedy. Uh, that might have been like his first uh, award on that level that he won. But yeah, he's won two Oscars, five Golden Globes, and six Emmys as a producer and been nominated countless times. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's... Uh, He's got the one of the most prolific acting careers, and still to this day is if you want to do a, I don't know he he seems like the biopic guy now you know what yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but anyway yeah Tom Hanks what more can you say about him Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear, uh, of course Tim the Toolman Taylor and Home Improvement like you said, uh, I've I've gone back and watched or I have watched uh, some Last Man Standing have you ever watched that show, I have. Which, the wife uh, is a big fan. I've caught parts of it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually a fun show. Uh, kind of his comeback into TV after being off, after you know, Home Improvement went away. And uh, I think it's a pretty good show. And, of course, he's uh, Scott Calvin in the Santa Claus movies. I think those are mm-hmm. probably his what he's known for. Mr. Potato Head was Don Rickles. Yep. He, uh, the old stand-up comedian... Uh, occasional guest star in TV and film and uh, a frequent on the tonight show back in the day with Johnny Carson. And uh, even later with uh, the late show with David Letterman, he was on there for a while as well. Um, Slinky dog, of course. Oh yes. The great, the late great Jim Barney. <laughs> yep. Ernest P. Worrell. He actually did two of the movies before he passed away. He was in toy story one and two Wallace Shawn as Rex, the dinosaur who is, uh, of course, Mr. Inconceivable in <laughs> The Princess Bride, and a long, long list of uh, basically get what you call like a character actor or uh, just small actor parts in film and TV since he's, 1979. He's the ultimate that guy. Yes, you see right, him in yeah. the background or in a small role, you're like, hey, look, it's that guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> you never know his name or, you know. That's he sat right. around for 30 minutes wondering, what have we seen him in? And the other person <laughs> at the end of the couch is like, uh, everything? Yeah. <laughs> He's in everything. That's right. And uh, speaking of everything, Mr. Pixar everything, John Ratzenberger as him, the uh, piggy bank. Of course, Cliff and Cheers is what we all know him from mainly, mm-hmm. but... He's had voice roles in every Pixar movie. I'm not sure why. I've never heard that story, why they keep bringing him back, or if he's just got that 
voice that they have always liked or it got to the point where it's a, a tradition. Okay, bring in Ratzenberger for this role. We need somebody yeah. to fill it, you know. It's like Stan Lee and all the Marvel films. Maybe that, <laughs> right. like you said, it just became a tradition. And at some point yeah. they decided to just, okay, we've done this, not realizing it. Let's just keep doing it. That's right. Very uh, maybe cheap too. Who knows? <laughs> sure. Yeah. What else is he doing, man? <laughs> not a whole lot nowadays. He's doing uh, uh, postal service commercials or something. But uh, Next up, Miss Annie Potts as Bo Peep. And I had not realized that was her. Uh, all these years that I've watched Toy Story and and now just digging into it, did not realize she was Bo Peep. Um, of course, Janine in Ghostbusters, Mary Jo in Designing Women. She's got several other film and movie credits. Actually, I think she's won Emmys too for some of the television work that she's done. Hmm. Andy Davis, who is the the little boy in the movies, played by John Morris. His uh, best known role is this one. He uh, has a few other voice acting credits in movies and video games, but this is pretty much, uh, he's, he's collecting those uh, royalties, I guess on this for, <laughs> for now, uh, for now, the, and forever. Yes. The boy who played Sid Phillips is Eric Von Detten. He was in, he was actually Wally in the 1997 leave it to Beaver movie. Ooh. And, uh, he was also in the princess diaries. And a movie I used to watch a lot or rent a lot back in the day that I haven't seen in probably 20 years, Top Dog with Chuck Norris, mm. where he was uh, the little kid in that movie. Uh, have you ever seen that one? No, I, I missed that one, unfortunately. <laughs> it was in that time, you know, when it was uh, Turner and Hooch and Canine, and it seemed like uh, doing a dog movie was, was hip. Uh, early 90s, I think that was. Uh, Lori Metcalf was Mrs. Davis, Andy's mother. Of course, she's Jackie and Roseanne. I think we would all know her from. Uh, also enjoyed her in Uncle Buck. She's won three Emmys, actually, for her work in television over the years. As good as she was in that other stuff, I really, really, really liked her in JFK. Oh, That yes. role she played. She was awesome in that. Mm-hmm. That Southern Bale lawyer just had the whole accent and lingo. Yeah, that was uh, that was good. She's popped up like that a, a few times, and you're like, why isn't she doing more? You know, because she is a great, great actress. Uh, R. Lee Ermy as the sergeant, the uh, <laughs> sergeant of the plastic <laughs> green army men. Of course, we know him as the drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket, yeah. and pretty instantly recognizable that voice. And I thought a perfect fit, you know, for <laughs> what he was doing there. That was great. Uh, Sarah Freeman played Hannah Phillips, which is Sid's younger sister. She's mainly had uh, TV guest appearances throughout her career. This is probably her uh, most, the role that you would, uh, she would probably say, hey, I was Sid's sister. Uh, <laughs> and then we do hear Penn Jillette as well as the uh, commercial announcer for Buzz Lightyear's uh, toy. That one scene, well, we'll get to it, but uh, he was the uh, the voiceover guy for doing Buzz Lightyear's TV commercial. And the movie itself was directed and written by John Lasseter, who uh, has uh, a long list of Pixar movies under his belt now as a director and writer. Uh, Toy Story 2, Bugs Life, Cars, Cars 2, and he co-wrote Toy Story 3 and 4. Uh, also the movie Planes, which I, it's weird. I, don't, I haven't seen that on Disney+. Plus. 
Planes just, I remember watching it in the theater with the boys and I um, remember liking it, but I'm not sure why it hasn't got more exposure, I guess, over the years since it's been out. Um, yeah, maybe they're embarrassed by it. Who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with it. Anyway, he was also a executive producer on many of the other Disney and Pixar films. Uh, also a screenplay credit to Joss Whedon on this. A little fun fact for you. I didn't dig too deep. I didn't want to go too deep since I knew you were doing the facts and stuff. But uh, as uh, looking over the screenplay credits, I was like, oh, Joss Whedon. There we go. <laughs> uh, how old of a movie is this for you? Do you remember seeing it in the theater? Yep. Uh, most movies on my half of the list for 1995, I did see in the theater. This was one of them. And I mentioned earlier about how you could go see this and not be shunned. I was going to go see this regardless. And I started asking some friends if they wanted to go watch it. And I was expecting, you know, laughed at or whatever. But everybody was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, let's go watch that. And there was a crew. I don't remember how many, but the same usual crew. We went and saw this like we did all these other movies we're going to talk about this year. And everybody enjoyed it. It wasn't just me. It was just a fun movie. Everybody, I do remember everybody else in the theater also enjoying it, laughing at some parts and mm-hmm. coming out with a little, you know, hop in their step. And you could tell everybody had a good time watching it that night. So awesome. Now, I probably well, hadn't watched it in leading up to recording this. I just watched it. That's probably the first time I was trying to think I've watched it in at least 10 years, probably more. Yeah. Uh, hasn't quite been that long for me because we have the. Let's see. I think we have the first three on DVD. Uh, they were the first two were in rotation all through the when the boys were younger. The, the last uh, I don't know, fifteen years, ten years, fifteen years. Um, we've always had them around for them to watch, and it was still fun going back and watching it though because there were some little bits and stuff that I was like, oh yeah, this is a, such a great part. Just because it's it's not one that I'm watching every I don't have a regular you know traditional viewing for it but well I was excited for Toy Story two and I did not enjoy that movie and that's kind of why I've not really revisited the franchise I've not watched three or four okay. my wife swears at three and four are both really good and that I should watch them and I and I intend to but I just love the first one mm-hmm. you know? I love the first one so much the second one just it was a letdown for me. I didn't care for the storyline, the old minor character and all that. It just didn't feel like the first one to me. So Mm -hmm. that's a big part of why I've not went back and rewatched these. Well, I have watched all four of them just in the last uh, two weeks and I'll get into that in a minute, but I've got to tell you, I remember the exact day and time (laughs) that I watched the toy story. And uh, it's probably one of the most unique experiences I've ever had in the theater. Uh, actually put on Instagram my ticket. I found my ticket. I watched it on January 20th, 1996. So this was a few months after it came out. It was a Thanksgiving movie. And that was my first semester in college. So I didn't go in the fall of 95 and uh, drove down. I went to a small school in Northeast Georgia and I was there two weeks. And the cool place was to go fr- uh, across the state line over to Clemson because uh, we were at a small, this is a small little Christian school, less than a thousand people on campus. And, you know, you're in college, you want to do college type things 
we had to go and drive a little bit. So me and three guys that I'd known for two weeks <laughs> went and drove to Clemson for a good time. And of course we're all broke. And so we're like, where do we want to go? What do we want to do? Do we want to, you know, try to find a restaurant or bar or whatever and <laughs> live things up, live it up, you know? And, uh, we, I think, just basically looked in our pockets and we're like, we can't do much of anything. We don't have too much <laughs> cash on us. So we did hear about this dollar theater that was over there. So we went to the dollar theater, and on my ticket, I paid 99 cents to see it. Uh, we went to the movie. We were we were late, though. It was about a, I don't know, 20 to 30 minute drive. And we came in, the movie was already playing, right? So me and my three buddies... We walk down the center aisle. We get to, I think we're on the second row. <laughs> so we're like, and the I remember the seats being real nice and plush, and they reclined back. So it wasn't too hard to, you know, stretch your neck when you're on the second row, which usually sucks. So anyway, we got into the movie, uh, maybe 15 minutes into the movie. And on the towards the left of the theater was the emergency exit, okay? Mm-hmm. We see a flash of light come from the emergency exit. And we all kind of direct our attention over there. And we see somebody walk in. We, they walks to the, basically about the middle of the theater where the center aisle would come down. We see more flashes of light. And we see him run back out towards <laughs> the emergency exit. Hmm. Well, we kind of look up and all of a sudden fireworks start shooting from the floor (laughs) up into the air (laughs) smoke begins to fill the theater Uh, we were in the second row you know we ducked we just hit the dirt we didn't know if these were like mortar shots or what was going on so we hit the deck and smoke is filling the theater we're in the second row i can't hardly see the screen for the smoke from this firework (laughs) the management comes running down the center aisle and looking around and all right, whoever did that needs to grow up or, you know, they were trying to figure out what was going on. And we're like, they went that way <laughs> <laughs> and they go trucking out there. And by this time, you know, they're like, all right, everybody out. We can't have, we can't show it with all the smoke in here. It needs to air out. And so I didn't see it, the, you know, the full movie, the first time we went. Uh, and I don't even know if they ever did find what happened or, you know, what was going on, but Yeah. Lit like a Roman candle or something in the <laughs> in the theater. I was like, this is what college is all about, I guess. These stories yeah. like that. Well, so. <laughs> I had to have watched this movie the week it hit the theater or the following week. And, I, and I'll tell you why. The, the little theater we went to watch at, I've always talked about having $2 Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. It only had two theater. only had two screens in the theater. And so... When the new week dropped on Friday, they got one of the new movies, you know, only one new movie that was dropping that week of all the choices you had. Mm-hmm. And they would play the week. The other screen always showed something that dropped the previous Friday. So those were your two choices, a brand new or, you know, a week old. And so the following week, if the new movie they had gotten was really hot, they would keep it as the movie that was two weeks old. If not, you had two different movies in the theater. You'd have the new one on Friday, and then they would choose a different movie that was a week old 
versus the one they had shown when it was new. So mm-hmm. now Toy Story could be the exception. It may have held over a second week. So it's possible I would have seen it the third week, but most likely I saw it either the debut week or the second week because that was all the time the movie spent in that theater. So, yeah, which made that $2 Tuesday kind of, I ain't going to say packed, but it was always a good house for whatever screen you was watching because you knew that, well, this may be the only week this movie's here. So, and this right, is the cheap right. like to watch it. So, yeah, that's a good yeah. little ploy. Mm-hmm. The guy who runs it is smart in the age of movie theaters going out of business and stuff. He is still in business, albeit he left that theater and opened the drive in in the town where I am now. Gosh, 20 years ago or more. Gosh, it's more because I saw Fast and the Furious there, the original. So, <laughs> he knows what he's doing when it comes to movies. Good on him for keeping us with the local theater. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool, man. That they, not a lot of drive-ins left, and a lot of them that had to convert to digital. You know, had to raise money for that, and well, shut down because of that. He had to convert to digital, but what he done was he went and bought, partly bought, part of it was donated, a brand new, really nice pickup truck, and went around for six months selling raffle tickets for it. And took the profit, and that paid for his digital conversion. So everybody in the community helped convert it to digital, you know. Because oh, we was all cool. buying tickets. It, it was 10 bucks a pop, and like every payday, I was buying another ticket, you know. So I, <laughs> right, I had, yeah. like, I had like 10 or 12 tickets to that thing when it was all said and done. But everybody in the community really helped modernize that drive-in, which is really nice. That's cool. That's really cool. All right, well, uh Getting back to the legacy of Toy Story, like I said, I've watched uh, all four just within the last couple of weeks. I'm with you. I was not really keen on the second one. But when the third one rolled around and I got the kind of premise of it and watching it again now, it's truly heartfelt at the end. And I thought it was a great way to kind of end a trilogy series for Toy Story with uh, Andy getting ready for college and passing the toys off to a new owner. And that's the kind of where you get left at the end of the movie is Andy's off to college and a new little girl has all these great toys. And it was really heartfelt and I got a little dusty, I must admit. But now watching Toy Story 4, I'm like, well, okay, well, where are they going to go with this? And it was all a... Um, it was all unnecessary. <laughs> it was, um, I, I did not like it at all. I mean, there's some fun parts in it, but it's a, it's a story about Woody and reuniting with Bo Peep, basically, is what uh, I would sum Toy Story 4 up. Uh, and the little girl, um, you know, she's neglecting some of the toys, and Woody's not getting picked as much, so he's going through this whole stage of, sitting in the closet and wondering where Bo Peep is and all this stuff. And then they finally meet up and that's basically the premise for the movie, but uh, did not like it at all. So I, I really think they should have ended the series with number three. Uh, Cause the book in there, the first one is always going to be the best for me. And then the third one is pretty close behind it. Uh, well, I thought it was really good. When we get towards the end of this show, I will uh, give you a, uh, uh, a, well, never mind. I'll just save it. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, this movie is very special, and only six other movies 
has been selected for preservation by the National Film Registry on its first year of eligibility. And it was in 2005 selected. The other movies are Raging Bull, Do the Right Thing, Goodfellas, Fargo, and 13 Lakes. 13 mm-hmm. Lakes is actually a movie. I had to look it up because I'm like, I know the rest of these, but what is 13 Lakes? It's actually a movie. Uh, it's a still of 13 lakes in the United States. And there's like some kind of music in the background, but it you get 10 minutes of each photo. <laughs> This is a movie. You're you're watching a still photo of a lake for 10 minutes, and then you go on to the next one for 10 minutes, and you go on to the next one for 10 minutes. And I understand that there's some lovely landscapes out there, but... Well, I've seen they're making a sequel to that, too. It's 14 oh, yeah? Lakes. Mm-hmm. 14 Lakes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The new Netflix series, Nine Rivers, is coming, too. Right, right. Anyway, anyway... Um, that was pretty prestigious, I thought, for a film to be, you know, selected in its first year, and you can see why it's a it's beautifully done. Uh, well, comparing that to stuff people may associate more with, it's it's like a Hall of Fame, and for a first somebody to go in on their first ballot is pretty rare. Derek Jeter did it this year in the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? Um, but it's really rare for your first year of eligibility to go into any Hall of Fame. So you're right. That shows just how important people thought this movie was. Or it is important, actually. And we said there I no traditional viewings for me. I'm, I'm, I guess none for you since you hadn't seen yeah. it in quite a while. And uh, we did mention it was Pixar's first film and first fully CGI animated film. Uh, let's go in a little bit about the facts and stats. Of course, released November 22nd, 1995, which was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Released the same day as Casino, Money Train, Nick of Time, which is a movie with Johnny Depp, Christopher Walken, Mm -hmm. and also a movie called Two Bits with Al Pacino. So you (laughs) was released with, uh, so you got Al Pacino, you've got a Johnny Depp movie. You've got uh, Robert De Niro <laughs> and, uh, you know, Woody Harrelson and who was it? Uh, Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Snipes. And J-Lo. Yeah. And J-Lo. J-Lo yeah, so too. those were the movies it was uh, up against that same day. Which have Man, that's up. a hell of a week of movies right there. <laughs> that's three straight nights of just when, you know, you're adding a casino and money train to Toy Story. That's fantastic. <laughs> right. But you think, you know, it, adults at the time they have plenty to choose from. Uh, mm-hmm. You kids go watch the movie, and we'll be over here watching Casino. But I, I think most of the adults were in with the kids, com- just coming to the box office here. But uh, other events that day when it was released, um, it was actually the day after the uh, Dayton Agreement, which ended the Bosnian War. Mm-hmm. It was the week before the official end to Operation Desert Storm as well. Mm-hmm. So it was right around that time when all of that fighting was kind of coming to a close, at least, in, you know, for those uh, two wars. Uh, was it a blockbuster? Well, I think we could yes. say a resounding yes, or even a hell yes. $363 million worldwide on a budget of $30 million, which uh, I think uh, adjusted for inflation, the budget would be more close to like 40 or $45 million. And uh, it was the second highest grossing movie of 95 worldwide behind Die Hard with a Vengeance, only by $3 million. 
but as far as domestic goes, it was the highest grossing movie, seven million over Batman Forever. Hmm. Well, I you know I balanced the scale there. Uh, Batman Forever and Toy Story each got two dollars of my money, so right, you know, I, <laughs> it got my money as well. Uh, adjusted for inflation, it's the sixth highest Thanksgiving weekend movie ever. So it was, uh, you know, pretty big that Thanksgiving. And I, I want to say it might have started more of a tradition for animated movies coming out around Thanksgiving. I, I, I don't know. It, it That might be uh, before that, that it started. But I know for the longest time, you know, our tradition here uh, in our household has been to try to go see a movie on Thanksgiving night. And hmm. usually there is an offering of animation available at that time to take the whole family out. So that's uh that's that. It knocked off Goldeneye, which was number one the week before. So it fell to number two. Number three movie that week was Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. And then you had Money Train at number four and Casino at number five. And it was number one for three consecutive weeks. And and it did shoot back to number one the weekend after Christmas. Hmm. So four weeks overall it was number one at the box office home video it was released to vhs and laserdisc on october 29th 96 in the first week of its release the vhs rentals totaled 5.1 million dollars wow debuting toy story as week's number one video over 21 and a half million vhs copies were sold the first year and then uh dvd release in 2000 with uh, Toy Story 2 and then Blu-ray 2010 and 4K released actually just last year. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about a little bit of the feedback as far as uh, the reviews from critics and such. Entertainment Weekly gave it an A score. I can hardly imagine having more fun at the movies than I did at Toy Story, the miraculous new Disney feature that's the first full-length animated film to be produced entirely on a computer. Roger Moore from the Orlando Sentinel, five out of five stars. The great voice acting, the visual puns, all added up to an animation game changer. And then we always jump down to Roger Ebert, Siskel and Ebert, which both gave it two thumbs up. Roger Ebert gave it his uh, four out of four stars. And here's what he had to say. Seeing Toy Story, I felt some of the same exhilaration I felt during Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Both movies take apart the universe of cinematic visuals and put it back together again, allowing us to see a new way. Toy Story is not as inventive in its plotting or clever wit as Rabbit or such Disney animated films as Beauty and the Beast. It's pretty much a buddy movie transplanted to new terrain. Its best pleasures are for the eyes, but what pleasures they are. Watching the film, I felt I was in a dawn of a new era of movie animation which draws on the best of cartoons and reality, creating a world somewhere in between where space not only bends, but snaps, crackles, and pops. <laughs> mm. Unquote. And it currently holds a 100% Rotten Tomato meter, 92% audience score. Wow. So pretty, uh, pretty good words there from Ebert. Uh, like you said, he wasn't too big on the story, but at the time, you know, the visuals kind of usurp maybe some downfalls there, but right. it was still, uh, you know, a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes and 92 audiences is <laughs> one of the best probably of all time. Uh, nominations and awards. 
it was nominated for best screenplay, which I guess, I guess uh, you know maybe they saw some stuff that Roger Ebert didn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nominated for the Oscar and Golden Globe for best musical or comedy film. This was before the time when they actually had a separate category for animation. And then uh, it was nominated for the Oscar and Golden Globe for best original song for uh, Randy Newman's You Got a Friend in Me. Mm-hmm. And it did win the Oscar for John Lasseter in Special Achievement in Film. So I'm not sure if that's a annual thing or if that was like just a special award when they feel, you know, <laughs> ready to give it out. But yeah, uh, that was more of a pat on the back, well done to Disney than anything, or Pixar, for you know, uh, what they accomplished. You look at movies now, the computer-generated animation and the live action with CGI are moving closer and closer together. Like, you look at right. some of the Marvel movies, some of those scenes almost look cartoony, and on the flip side, some of the uh, computer-generated animation almost looks real. I mean, they're okay. getting a fine line now between the two. It's kind of freaky. It is. It really is. All right, well, how about we give out some awards of our own, Mick? That's what uh, we do. That's what we do here. We, we love to do. Favorite scene in Toy Story. I've got uh, six down here to nominate Then I'll throw out to you. And uh, if you want to butt in or... Uh, if you've got some of your own you want to throw into at the end, and then we'll choose which one. But my first nomination is the Green Army Men scene, is what I called it, at the mm-hmm. beginning where they are spying on the birthday party and kind of relaying the information back to the toys. And you get those wonderful scenes with them parachuting in and that one that uh, kind of gets <laughs> uh, left out in the open and they're all like, no soldier left behind. and <laughs> try to get that guy back uh, before they get up to the room and, and get out of the way and back into those bushes or the, the house plants there. Uh, love that scene. The second one I'll nominate, I'm calling Sid's operation, <laughs> which is when he's uh, <laughs> performing an operation on his sister's doll and ends up putting the dinosaur head on it. And just his little narration there <laughs> of uh, like a, TV show, uh, uh, you know, an operating room TV show, ER or something was, was fun. <laughs> I like that scene. Um, the scene uh, that's, that kind of popped out to me the most this time that I had not really thought about before, I guess, when watching it, was when Buzz watches his own toy commercial. And he gets that little flip in his mind because you know up to that point he's playing it straight he's playing it like i'm a space ranger and i need to complete my mission and then he sees and he hears the stuff from woody but it's just kind of bouncing off of him you know and then he watches that toy story and then it just kind of clicks in his brain and he just kind of sits there and soaks it in for a while uh i thought that was a fun little moment there uh for a scene uh and then speaking of buzz probably the one that got most laughs for me this time was what I'm calling the tea drunk buzz dressed as Mrs. Nesbitt at the tea party and uh, his whole like almost like giving up on the world acting a little intoxicated and I I thought that was well done and and, you know funny for the adult viewing Mm -hmm. (laughs) adult audience Uh, two more here the scene where Woody is talking to the toys from the alley 
with uh, Buzz's hand, and he's yeah. trying to uh, communicate to them, and everything is okay. And then they see the hand, and they're all like, "Wow, I knew it!" And uh, and then finally, the uh, the culminating scene, which is to me the uh, where the toys start talking back to Sid. Yeah, um, that scene. When I rewatched this, I had no memory of that scene whatsoever. Really? I really didn't. And like, they're coming up out of the sand and I looked at the wife. I'm like, has this always been in the movie? <laughs> I mean, cause I can remember the rest of it. She's like, yeah, I, for, I don't know how that has escaped my memory. It just, I did not remember any of that. And it was really well done. You know, Oh the yeah. Was, I was going to bring it up if you didn't. But uh, I just I had no memory of that. It was uh, just like the ultimate. I mean, you try to think of what can they do to to get away from Sid or to pay back all the the torturing he's done to these other toys. And you're thinking, okay, they're going to set these other toys free, or there's going to be some moment where there's just a breakout and everybody gets to get on with their lives. But that is almost like, no, we're not leaving. We're going to mess with him first. And get him not to do this anymore to toys. And then we'll be on our way. You know, <laughs> I thought that was a, a great scene. Any others you want to throw into that list? No, I will just add to the green army men scene at the beginning to tack what was before that onto it as well from the opening credits. Cause you're, you're getting your first look at this computer generated animation mm-hmm. and you get the whole premise of the movie pretty quickly, you know, cause, uh, Andy's in there playing and, and he throws all the toys down. And when he leaves, they all come to life and stuff. And it was one of those, whoa moments. And it really, I don't care how old you are, who you are, how tough and bad you are. When you saw that scene in your back of your mind, you're like, Hmm, I wonder if that's ever really happened. (laughs) (laughs) How would we know? (laughs) Yeah. And not to take it to the like horror movie level, you know, (laughs) like, uh, because th- that kind of enters the back of your brain too, or at least it does for me. I'm like, okay, this is if they are really coming to life, are they n- as nice as these toys are? Is this more of like a Chucky doll situation or something? You know? Yeah, but that um, whole scene, I'm going to pick it as my favorite because okay, the whole reporting of the of the birthday presents, the lines there where Mr. Potato Head's hopping up and down saying, "Mrs. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head," <laughs> the female counterpart, and, yes. And they're nervous about being replaced. And you can imagine after seeing that scene that birthdays and Christmas were very nerve wracking times for those toys. Wondering yeah. if they would be replaced. Yeah. And we saw why they were had anxiety over it because of what happened with Woody with Andy right. got buzzed for his birthday. Right. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I noticed too was how they, because Bo Peep is kind of like a porcelain doll and how much she reflects or how much she's shinier than a lot of the other toys to mm-hmm. show that she's a, a, like a porcelain figure. So yeah, just even little contrasts like that was great. I thought, but I, uh, if I had to choose one, like I said, the, uh, the tea drunk buzz got me the most laughs this time, I think, but I'm going to go to the other end of the movie and where the, Toys talk to Sid and get him to run screaming like a little girl through the house at the end. <laughs> Just a fun moment there. Okay. Uh, favorite quote or line in the movie, Mick? Mm. There's some that are just 
we've got to add to the list, you know, that are so synonymous with Toy Story. And one, of course, is Buzz's To Infinity and Beyond. Right. How many times has that been said in uh, not a, just across the whole franchise, but now in pop culture? Right. It seems like that line has transcended the movie almost. Is there any other ones on the off the top of your head you want to throw out there? Well, I didn't write any down because the movie has a lot of good lines, but nothing really memorable to me, you know, as far <laughs> as using every day. A couple other ones that I think most people would instantly think Toy Story when you hear it. The one where Woody's, you know, is talking back to Buzz, their little back and forth, which is, you are a toy. And then Buzz is like, you are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. You know, <laughs> that little back and forth. Most of them, my favorites are kind of with them back and forth. Uh, Woody telling him, that wasn't flying, that was falling with style. You know, and then the uh, one from Woody that I picked up on this time was, the word I'm searching for I can't say because there's preschool toys present. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was real fun. And then... Um, one more from Rex. I'm from Mattel. Well, actually, I'm from a smaller company that was purchased by Mattel in a leverage buyout. But <laughs> <laughs> he's actually, you know, Buzz is asking him where he's from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Just thinking about all of the the toys and probably what they couldn't get the rights to, you know, or in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, those were the ones that I had. I think those are all the ones I had written down as far as uh, favorite lines and uh, quotes. What do you think for an award to give it to? Well, I would just give it to infinity and beyond because that is by far and away the most memorable line from the film. And he kept saying it over and over, which is not really a quote as much as it is the toys tagline, but right. That's the one I'd have to give it to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to give it to that one. There's not really one that's more synonymous with the movie to really give it to. So I'll agree with you on that one. It's got to be to infinity and beyond. All right. Who stole the show in a minor role outside of probably what Woody and Buzz? Right. To me, there was one and that was Slinky Dog, Jim Varney. I knew you were going to pick that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Woody. It was uh, great. He's he's instantly recognizable, I think. The the voice. Um when he but it was a fun character though. He pulls the checkerboard out and he's like, You can be red or whatever. And yeah. I can't remember what what he says and he starts slinking around the board. Oh well, all right, I'll be red. <laughs> <laughs> not now, Slinky. <laughs> uh, yeah. Using it's him. not just the voice, it's just the dumb dog character in general you know yeah it's, it's a great yeah. great little character but there's a case to be made for ham and potato head because they were kind of both protagonists in the film after buzz falls out the window uh blaming woody and stuff so yeah they, they had some some good uh scene stealing moments but uh, my favorite still slinky dog i love rex so much rex the dinosaur just his his wit, his uh, anxiousness, his, um, I don't know, he's really pretentious about doing anything or, or getting outside of the norm. Yeah. And he's got a yeah. complex because his arms are so little. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, 
but just the way the lines are delivered and he's always has a line that just kind of made me chuckle. Uh, I love Rex. I wanted to nominate him. And then the other thing that stole the show for me in a minor role was just the pizza planet restaurant. Uh, <laughs> the aura of walking in, you've got those big like robot guards at the door. Welcome to pizza planet or I can't remember what, what exactly they say. And then all the little games inside, like the whack and alien, which is, you know, a take on the whack-a-mole. And then you've got the the claw machine with the claw aliens. And I don't know, just the whole environment. I was like, oh, man, this is like a kid's birthday party dream, you know, this place. And reminded me a little bit of, you know, some of the ones I visited as a kid. Not too much like... uh uh, modern day ones because I don't think you still have all the whack-a-mole games and stuff like that. It's more well, electronic it stuff. Like, but. Yeah, but it seems like today's arcades. In my day, you went to the arcade to win respect, not tickets. You know, and now it seems like all the games are, are ticket games. Yeah, and right. Like the whack-a-mole and the, yeah. But I just love the whole environment of Pizza Planet. <laughs> Those are my two uh, nominations. So you're going to give it to Slinky Dog? Absolutely. Every okay. time. I'm going to give it to Rex. I, I just really enjoyed Rex this viewing. Thought he was fun. All right. Who is the MVP of the movie? Is it Woody or is it Buzz? I'm a Woody guy myself. I always have been since the first time I saw it. So Woody is the MVP for me. Of course, I'd almost give the MVP to Slinky Dog myself. But... <laughs> Well, I I would give it to Woody as well. I think he is the the glue to the movie. You know, Buzz kind of comes in and impacts the movie in his own way, but he's the one that is kind of the director of the whole operation there, and then yeah. trying to put it all back together. I mean, that's all Woody's Woody's trying to keep everything in check. So, and it, it you know the characters played great. Um, by Tom Hanks. So I would give it to him as well. Uh, is this uh, Tom Hanks or Tim Allen's best role or best movie? I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Tom Hanks. I mean, I don't no. I, I don't think you could give it to a, I don't uh, think it is for, acting, either, but. for either one of them, but I'll say this. It sounded like Tom Hanks was having the time of his life doing this though. For yep. whatever reason, yeah, I just, you just pick up like that fun attitude and excitement in his voiceover work that, you know, of course it's a different movie than his live action movies and stuff where he, his body language is incorporated. We don't see that here, but he just sounds like he was having more fun doing this than anything I've seen him do. Yeah. And I will say watching all four movies consecutively, you can somewhat uh, hear a change or, his style isn't quite as exuberant as it is in the first movie, especially with the fourth one. I, I thought he almost dialed it in, which would be a, <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a blasphemy to say <laughs> for, uh, for Tom Hanks fans, but um, it, that inflection in that, like you saying that excitement almost of, of doing the role and almost hearing those inflections in a way that it's like a, a live action movie, I, I think is, is more or less, the best out of the series watching all four, like I said, back to back. Well, um, later on, we'll get to a reason why that might be too. So, okay. Uh, was this their biggest moneymaker? Well, for Tom Hanks, 
Number seven domestic for Tom Hanks. Number ten worldwide. Toy Story four and Toy Story three are number one and two for Tom Hanks. Mm. Actually, in in his credits, um, Tim Allen, his top five are all Buzz Lightyear credits. <laughs> really? Toy Story one through four, and then apparently he had a which I don't remember because I've only seen it once. He had a little role in Ralph Breaks the Internet with Buzz Lightyear at number five. Number six is Wild Hogs. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, that's a fun movie. I think it was a fun movie as well. And then surprisingly, the Santa Claus is number seven through ten, the one through three Santa Claus movies. So, yeah, Buzz Lightyear is uh, Tim Allen's uh, (laughs) retirement. (laughs) Uh, All those residuals. Uh was it their most critically acclaimed roles? I don't think so. No. I mean, they're not winning awards for these, and probably uh, their most critically acclaimed voice acting roles, though. I definitely would definitely agree with that. I don't know how many uh, they have both had outside of this, but uh, of course, Tom Hanks was the Polar Express, which I think is a four-letter word to you. But uh, <laughs> I don't know about Tim Allen. So I I couldn't find any casting what ifs on this. Did you find anything in your research as far as uh, different people that they might have had originally plugged in? Kinda, but we'll okay. get to that. <laughs> you gonna you gonna wait for that? Okay. Yeah, in the did you know section. Do you think of any other actor that you could plug into at least those the top two roles there? Oh my goodness, it is a. Uh it is hard to even imagine a different voice behind those characters now. And that's coming from somebody who's not even watched the third one and fourth one to have even more exposure to those voices and those roles. I know I can't because yeah, it's, it's just crazy that I, I really can't okay. now. Maybe uh, I would have liked to have seen maybe some guest cameos voices Somewhere along the way, maybe another Western toy in there. You bring Clint Eastwood in for a couple hours to film a line or two or something to that effect. But actually replacing any of these? No. Yeah. I can't think of anybody but Tom Hanks for Woody. I think Buzz is more of a, I don't know, straightforward or monotone voice enough that you could probably plug somebody else in there. Uh, especially when he first comes on the scene, I'm Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger. You know, it's mm-hmm. very, there's no real uh, up and down with the voice or uh, acting until later on than when he gets drunk and when he's, uh, you know, g- past the point of knowing that he is a toy. Mm-hmm. Then you can he- really hear Tim Allen, I think, come out in him. But now, yeah, now it's it's almost impossible for me to think of, of anybody else doing that voice. Uh, let's get on to, well, any other, uh, unanswered questions or flaws that maybe you saw coming out of the movie this time? Well, a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. so if Buzz thought he was real, why did he always pretend to be a lifeless toy when Andy was around? <laughs> True. You know, wouldn't he have tried to interact with Andy like he was everything else in the room at the time? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So. That's, that was just kind of the biggest one watching it. And and the second one was, we know Woody is an older toy than the rest of the toys in the room. We really learned that in the second movie. And we find out he's part of that set or whatever. But how did 
an older toy like that become Andy's favorite? It just seems really weird because he's got, you can tell, like the cloth, the, the cotton stuffed legs and mm-hmm. arms. He's all articulated mm-hmm. like his other toys are. It, it's a bit of a stretch to, uh, to say that would have been Andy's favorite toy out of all those that was in that room. Yeah, I was trying to remember if there was if that was addressed at some point. Um, I've got uh-huh. a theory. Okay, and that would be that uh, you don't see Andy's dad in the movie. Uh, it was actually they asked the writers about it, and they said, "Well, we just had no need to have him in there, so we didn't even address it." In my mind, that Andy doll was his dad's, and we don't know why his dad's not there, but maybe that's why Andy holds on to it. Like yeah, just my personal theory. Uh, it sounds right. Um, I do remember now. And in, in number two is Newman, the Newman. <laughs> I don't remember what his name is in the movie, but the guy who plays Newman uh, is the one that knows about the doll and knows that it's vintage and tries to uh, sell it or whatever. I can't remember exactly what he was doing. It had it behind the glass, you know, as kind of his collection there. So yeah. And that's where I meant. That's how we know it was an older toy. Right. Right. From that. But how Andy has it and why it holds such a large place in his heart over all those other modern toys was a slight mystery to me. So I formulated my own answer in my brain. (laughs) I like it though. I like that actually. Um, and yeah, I never thought about buzz just kind of ignoring the whole <laughs> playing dead role <laughs> when Nanny's around. Um, that makes sense as well. I didn't have any other questions when I'm coming out of it myself. All right. So we typically go into what is the next, you know, incarnation of the film? Well, obviously it's had several sequels. I don't really think it needs to be rebooted. Uh, it, maybe eventually down the road or something, you could do something in the same vein with just different toys, you know, mm-hmm. Well, I've got a pitch, though. Go ahead. So Toy Story 5. All right, you're saying, you know, Andy went away to college in the third one and gave his toys away. How many people our age done something similar or their parents done it for them? And now we're at our age like, why did we we do that? We want them back. That's right. Toy Story 5 is Andy tracking down his old toys on eBay and stuff (laughs) or on Facebook, trying to track down the girl he gave them to, who's now also grown up to see what she done with them and stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. That's number five movie right there. That would be fun. Even if it's just Woody and or Buzz, because... At the end of four, I'm not. I won't go into spoilers or anything since you haven't seen it. But uh, Woody is pretty much far, far away from it, it, Andy as possible, and and kind of uh, separated from the rest of the group. And so that would be a, a fun way to hey, uh, let's start buying stuff online and looking to see if my name is on his foot. I mean, I got to yeah. find the one. Mm-hmm. And same for Buzz, you know, because he had his name on there. But I, at the Putting end of on message boards asking if you right. have the figure, this Buzz Lightyear, check the foot. <laughs> <laughs> right. But now that I think about it, they did change that for the third movie. They put the little girl's name on there instead uh, of his. But still, you could. Th- there's ways to do that. And I think that would be a fun way to to come back around and. And gear the film more towards us now as parents, and, yeah. and trying to recollect all those old toys. I mean, that well, would see, be fun. See, we're a little, we're a little past that target demographic 
But the people who were kids who were 10 years old in 1995 that went to see this are the very ones now who are going to gather back their childhood. So the movie would certainly resonate with that audience. Absolutely. I like that. I, I, I would go out and see that one. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was at the point where I'm like, we I'm live done. It. <laughs> we it's do. based on we a do. true story. <laughs> right. But, I mean, coming out of four, I was like, I'm done. Wow. I, if they do any more, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I need to see it, but. I like the sound of that. Hey, Disney, if you're listening, give me a call. I'll tell you where to send the check. <laughs> All right. Um, I, have we come to Did You Know now? I think we have. have we? Unless you want to uh, go into... I don't know if they've ever done a, a Toy Story series like on Disney Channel or, or something. There's been some shorts that they use to plug in between shows. Right. featuring different characters. So I think there's always a market for that, especially in the world of streaming digital stuff. You could easily see a toy story. Well, I mean, not because since Disney's a competitor, but for something like Quibi, the short series things, a series of 10 minute episodes of, you know, featuring yeah. a different toy adventure with a different toy each time or on Disney plus a, uh, ongoing toy story animated series, I don't know what's happened in the later movies, but maybe focusing on uh, just different characters. Like I know they've done a series on that Forky character from the latest movie that may have been more to help promote the movie right. than anything. But yeah, there's always a world where you could do endless animated shorts or series with these characters. Yeah. And that's what Pixar is known for is, you know, showing one of those shorts at the beginning of a movie. Mm-hmm. So they're primed for making shorts and that would be fun to do as you're leading up to a uh, Mickey's toy story five was where is slinky dog now? And where is uh, ham and where is Rex and where are they at? Uh, Because they are, some of them are together and some of them are not at the end of four. So Mm. that would work well. All right. Well, hit me with some did you know stuff? (laughs) All right. You mentioned earlier, Randy Newman, Mm -hmm. the uh, guy who wrote the score for the movie. He also scored a bug's life monsters incorporated cars james and the giant peach the princess and the frog i think a movie i've heard you mention several times the natural mm-hmm. uh, pleasantville meet the parents and sea biscuit so he's got a lot of chops behind him coming into this he's received 22 academy award nominations in the best original score and best original song categories and won twice wow uh I knew he was pretty prolific as far as movie scores and stuff go. I didn't know some of those, like James and the Giant Peach. We used to watch that one all the time. and the, the, But it makes sense, too, the piano uh, sound that he has. It, it makes sense for a lot of those, even the natural. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he has a collective 92 nominations in various music categories. And he's won wow. three Emmys, seven Grammy Awards, and the Governor's Award from the Recording Academy. In 2007, he was recognized by the Walt Disney Company as a Disney legend, and he was inducted into both the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2002 and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013. So that just helps add to how successful this movie was when you're powered by a memorable score and music. It really adds to movies. You don't notice it so much when it's bad, but you can really notice it when it's good. That's something too that got me in the mood when I'm watching all four of them is just hearing that similar, you've got a friend in me melody that they, 
not just the song itself, but how it's incorporated into the movie in certain points. It's almost like Woody's theme, you know, mm-hmm. and it takes you into that Toy Story world really well. Well, you were talking earlier about uh, liking the Green Army men. Mm-hmm. In order to better study the toy soldiers' movements, the head animator, Pete Doctor, decided to nail his own sneakers to a wooden board. So uh, he also got the other animators to do the same thing. And they all walked around the office for a full day, uh, <laughs> feeling how difficult it was and to, to see what the movements would look like with that flat piece across their feet to get it right. <laughs> that makes sense, man. That's great. He also sewed together his own Woody doll during the production that he would use to see how it flopped around and stuff. So fun. Uh, to infinity and beyond our favorite quote from the movie was actually part of the short pitch video that they made for Disney studios in the early nineties to, for the early pitches for this concept. So, okay. So it was right there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, this was a good one. The toolbox on top of the milk crate, you know, when Woody is trapped in Sid's room under the milk crate and Sid sets oh, yes. the toolbox on it, mm-hmm. uh, it's a Benford toolbox, which was the same company that Tim Allen used on his hit TV show. Ah, nice. Easter egg. Never noticed that. Yeah. I didn't notice it before I read this, and then uh, I looked for it, and yeah, there it was. It was a Benford toolbox. So that was a nice little <laughs> Easter egg for that stuff. That's fun. Uh, you had also mentioned getting the rights for toys to use in the movie and stuff. Ohio Art Company, the company that makes Etch-A-Sketch, was nearly bankrupt before the movie came out. They allowed Etch to be in the movie, and they saw an over 20% increase in sales immediately afterwards to oh, save wow. the company. That was fun. The the couple scenes that the Etch-A-Sketch was in there and what he's like, Hang draw. Yeah. Draw. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. And then... Uh, well, you also kind of touched on this little fact too, but a uh, supervising layout artist on Toy Story said that Walt Disney had a few professional writers take a crack at the script, but they all end up adding more human characters, mainly other kids and stuff, and never quite got the concept that the movie was about the toys. Mm-hmm. But that problem was fixed when a bright kid named Josh Whedon came on board to help with the script and took out the human characters and made it help make it more about the toys. Yeah. So I, you know, I've wondered about the father character and what that whole story was at, at some points, but hearing you say that they left it out just to leave it out makes a lot more sense just to leave it a mystery, you know, and focus more on the toys. Yeah. Uh, Buzz was originally named Tempest because the, one of the animators was obsessed with the old Atari game Tempest. <laughs> so, uh, that's, they changed that to Buzz Lightyear. And then this is my favorite fact from any movie we've covered so far in this series. Mm-hmm. That when Tom Hanks was too busy to do his voice parts, his brother Jim filled in for him on the voice work. Which may explain why he sounded so happy all the time. Because here's Jim <laughs> Hanks happy to have a job. Wow. And, uh, Jim actually the one who supplied the voice for all the actual Woody action figures that were released and stuff. That's Jim's voice, Tom's brother who recorded that stuff. Interesting. I had not realized that, uh, wow, that your brother's voice is so close to yours like that. Yeah. Um, he had to fill in for him on several occasions when stuff had come up 
and Tom wasn't available right when they needed him. Interesting. <laughs> his brother got his brother to fill in for him. So, like yeah. I said, that may be why he sounded so happy in this movie versus the rest of them. Cause Jim's like, <laughs> yes, this is my big break. <laughs> oh wait, we're going to use Tom's name in the poster and in the credits, but see, I'm better than Tom. Listen. Yeah. That's crazy. I've got one thing here. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's all I've got for the, did you know? Okay. One little fun part that I found in the Roger Ebert review was, uh, (laughs) this is just putting dating you to 1995 here. Uh, Ebert says, I learned from the current wired magazine that the movie occupied the attention of a bank of 300 powerful sun microprocessors, the fastest models around, which took about 800 hours of computing time to achieve this and other scenes at 2 to 15 hours per frame. Each frame required as much as 300 megabytes of information, which means on my one gigabyte hard disk, I have room for about three frames or an eighth <laughs> of a second. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it, of, of course, uh, it's hard to uh, compare to nowadays in, in computing and space and all that, but to think of what they had to have to create the movie in 95 and the amount of hard disk space and memory and all that was, was probably insane or the equivalent of like NASA or something, you know? (laughs) So yeah, $30 million back in the day would have bought you a, a, still a pretty good (laughs) amount of hard disk space. (laughs) I don't know how much the, uh, you know, Tom Hanks and all the actors took from that, uh, budget, but, yeah, you'd almost have to buy your own like uh, building filled with uh, computer <laughs> computer room <laughs> to create the movie back in the day. I thought that was fun. Okay, well, uh, I, I think that's going to about do it, man. Unless you had anything else you wanted to throw in for Toy Story, this is a <laughs> fun movie to choose and fun to go back and watch. No, I'll just say that uh, I don't have any regular viewings of it, but it's a movie that I see myself going back and rewatching every few years from now you know from now to the end of my time because it is just so enjoyable especially with everything we do at the retro network to see the toys in it like etch-a-sketch and the buzz Lightyear, and you know action figures in general and time capsule captures of great actors even in voice roles like jim varney and and uh, john ratzenberger and stuff it's a movie that'll hold my attention countless more times oh there's one little fact i did Fine. I thought maybe you would throw in there that I thought was great. Um, the scene where Sid attaches the, I think it's towards the beginning of the movie when he attaches the firecracker to the soldier mm-hmm. to blow him up, you know, and all the toys are watching. They originally wanted to have a GI Joe figure and actually call it a GI Joe figure there. And they told him no, because he was blowing it up. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like uh, Soldier Sam, or I can't remember what he called it in the movie. It was just a more of a generic name, but they had reached out to Hasbro to to do G.I. <laughs> Joe there, and they said no. So anyway, uh, yeah, it was fun. Like I said, I don't have a traditional viewing, but it is synonymous with uh, my first <laughs> couple weeks of college and that whole uh, experience of seeing it in the theater. Still you know, etched in my mind. I'll never forget that but I had a lot of fun going back and, and it, going through the whole series as uh, as one little marathon with my uh, middle son. And it's so, 
and for me, it's also synonymous with that period in life with me and my friends because it's one of many movies that make up that whole time frame for me. So sure. I'll never forget any of those movies. All right. Well, you uh, ready for next month's movie? Well, it depends on which one you're throwing at me, I reckon. I think I'm going to go with one that I'm pretty sure you have not seen. Uh, I've picked two comedies this far, so I'm going to go a little more serious on this one. And uh, I'm going to choose The Usual Suspects. I was hoping we'd get to that sooner rather than later because you've been on my case about it. (laughs) And it makes me want to watch it. And I've wanted to watch it for a while now since we first started talking about this. But I've been holding off until it came up in rotation so I could watch it for my first time in preparation for the podcast. And I was ready to choose it beginning of the month or, uh, you know, where we left off in March. And just by chance, I noticed yesterday that it's coming to Tubi in May. Oh, excellent. It will be uh, right in your favorite app there. (laughs) Now you, I want to know, do you have any knowledge about the movie? Any, there's a twist ending. Do you know anything about it? The only thing I know about it is I can see like the movie poster in my mind with the police lineup. Mm-hmm. And I know Kevin Spacey's in it. That's the only two bits of information I know. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, I'm hoping you will. And it was uh, it was kind of an eye-opener to me to that kind of suspenseful movie. Not necessarily uh, over-violent or action. It's more of a drama, really a, just a suspenseful crime drama. And... Um, Lots of cussing, so you'll Good. enjoy that as well. I was I was actually surprised it might not had that had been uh, maybe in one of those top lists at some points of uh, how many times they dropped the f bomb. But yeah, it's uh, it's a really great movie that I've gone back and watched and remember having to rewatch the ending several times just to process everything. So hmm. it's one of those kind of mind jolts. <laughs> Wow. Almost went I almost went too far with that what I was gonna say there, but um, I'm uh <laughs> I'm uh really looking forward to it and intrigued now. So in May, is it the first of May it's coming to Tubi or just you know it's in May? Uh, probably the first first of May. So or whenever the the first week of May, whenever they start dropping movies. It's usually the first day, but yeah, so next week you should be able to get your hands on that on Tubi. It's great. Then the acting is so great all around. So Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that and, and diving into some did you know facts because I've really not gone too deep on you know how they they came up with the cast and the story and, and anything up, you know behind the scenes. So looking forward to diving into that. So that will be in May right here on Patreon for our Tier and Drive In ninety five series, The Usual Suspects. Yeah. So um, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, make sure you watch it before the the podcast right. too so you're up to yeah, speed with us yep we've been dropping these right at the last week of the month so gives you plenty of time to to watch it on tubi all right well thank you uh for uh, putting those facts together mick and this was fun man yep uh toy story you've got a friend in me my friend <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back right. to do this again we will we will thanks everybody for supporting us and we will catch you next time in the drive-in. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and your miles are 
nice warm bed You just remember what your old past said Boy, you got a friend in me Yeah, you got a friend in me You got a friend in me You got a friend in me You got trouble And I got them too There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you We stick together See it through Cause you got a friend in me You got a friend in me Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am Getting stronger too, maybe, but none of them will ever love you the way I do. It's me and you, boy, and as the years go by, a friendship will never die. You're gonna see it's our destiny. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me You got a friend in me